Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. It is Wednesday, September 2nd, and we are so grateful that you are joining us today. And we are also grateful that you send us questions and you should continue to do so because here we are coming into the last four months of the year, and I'm sure you're going to need to make a lot of financial decisions for you and your family. So why not send us an email and maybe we can help you out along the way. The address, askjill at jillonmoney.com, askjill at jillonmoney.com. Jason writes, I've been paying on time for 13 years for an FHA loan at 6% interest. Would it make sense to refinance with the rates the way they are? I don't want to go back to another 30-year loan at a lower rate because my interest to principal curve is evening out. Can I and should I refinance to a shorter loan, say, knocking off seven years at a lower interest rate? I'm finding out that no one is offering me to refinance down to a 10 they seem to only offer 15s. I don't think it's worth it for me to knock off two years. I want to knock off seven years and refinance to a 10-year at a lower rate. Okay, why can't I find anyone to offer? Because I think FHA loans are different. That's why. He basically says, I wish I refinanced a long time ago. You know, the problem is that there isn't a lot you can do if they're not going to write the loan. You know, they want a longer term, I guess. I'm not sure. But, you know, FHA loans which require a lot less money down often have some problems, right? Because, you know, this is, there aren't as many folks who can do this and they have their own process for FHA loans as opposed to a conventional mortgage. So the only way that you can do this is to be able to try to look at your whole situation and see if you can make a longer term work for you and then compare the costs. But that's it. You really have to look at the cost involved and how how soon it will allow you to recoup your money. You don't say a lot more about what else is going on in your financial life, which I'd like to know. Maybe you should go to a conventional loan. Okay. Tyler writes, thanks for taking my two-year-old and seven-month-old on very long walks to entertain them during this quarantine. I needed to find new podcasts, and luckily I found your show three weeks ago, and I love it. Yeah, Tyler. Sweet. Okay. Tyler writes, I'm very fortunate to have $5,000 to max out my and my wife's Roth IRA for the year. Our jobs are secure. We have no debt and a healthy emergency fund. But A few weeks ago, I had a bad customer service experience with our financial advisor, where our account was handed off to an associate. The initial message and bumbling explanation apology made me feel like a number. I trust the organization, but I've had second thoughts since this episode. Should I transition to a robo like Vanguard or stick it out with a current firm? If I switch, how do I go about doing that? Thanks for all you do, Tyler. 
Well, Tyler, you know, I love the robos. I think, and I love Vanguard. I think that switching all it really means is transferring an IRA in your name, transferring an IRA to your wife's name, and then you could just rock and roll, do it. I, I don't see why. I don't see there's a big downside and it's probably a fraction of the cost. So Vanguard Digital Advisor is a straight up robo. Uh, it's very cheap. If you want some advice with it, there's the Vanguard Personal Service Advisor, though there is a minimum. You can also check out our friends over at Betterment. You can check out Schwab. Uh, but these are very easy things to do. I just noticed that you said $5,000 to max out do you mean 6000 or do you mean you have another 5000 to do it? I'm not sure what you mean. But anyway, it's $6,000 that you can put into the plan. And um, rock and roll. Drop the cost. And, and you know what? Life's too short to have like niggling feelings about this. So I'd say move along, okay? This is from Anonymous. She has so many, so many people like her with that same name, Anonymous. Desperate for advice is the subject. I'm wondering if what I'm doing with my student loan obligation makes the most sense in my situation. I'm nearly 57 years old. I have a pro, I'm going to just, I'm, I can barely say these words, Mark. I have approximately $210,000 in student loan debt for me and my children. I was a late bloomer. I didn't graduate till I turned 50. I'm six and a half years into a 25-year income-driven repayment plan, the rate seven and a quarter to seven and a half percent. I chose this plan because of the affordable payments, potential forgiveness option, should I not have paid it off in 25 years. I'm married. Together, we make a modest living. I'm self-employed. I worry about my work stability. I considered refinancing to a lower interest rate on the loans, but I'm not sure if my monthly payment and terms would be as forgiving. It is unlikely that I would even qualify for a private loan with my outstanding balance. If my calculations are correct, I think I'd have about $80,000 in loan forgiveness balance under my current repayment plan after making payments over 25 years. I would then be required to pay taxes on the 80,000 that would be forgiven. What's that gonna look like in 18 and a half years when I'm 75 years old? Would I be required to pay it all at once? Can I do payments? Would my estate be required to pay it on my death? I have equity in my home, cash and savings, and a retirement account. I am fearful to use any should I get sick or my business falls short and I don't have a great deal of time before I retire. I think I'll be able to manage payments in retirement, just not sure about the taxes due upon any forgiven balance. What do you suggest in my situation? I purchased and read your book, but too late. Thank you for doing that, Anonymous. Well, I mean, normally the way that loan forgiveness works is that it is the $80,000 would be added to your income for the year that it's forgiven. But I don't know whether or not you can spread it out. My guess is it's just the year. You know, that's added as as income. We don't know what taxes would be at the time. You probably could knock out a plan with the IRS. The one thing that I think is incredibly important to remember is that, you know, this would likely be payable upon your death because it's a debt owed to the government. So, you know, if you have assets and you were to pass away, then the government might go after this money. They may not. There's not a lot for you to do. It, you know, if you want to preserve this and you have the ability to make some payments, that's great. So I feel, I feel terrible for you. I think you keep doing what you're doing. 
and preserve that ability to have some of the features of the federal student loan program. Okay, Jill writes, thank you so much for continuing to enlighten and encourage us with your podcast. I've heard others talking about transferring their IRAs to a Roth IRA, not transferring, converting, okay? I'm wondering if I should do the same. I don't know the difference. Okay, so my income is all retirement and social security. Is there benefit to me shifting to a Roth? Um, I feel embarrassed about asking the question, but since I do pay income tax on my retirement income, can I contribute to my IRA? The answer is no, you can't. You need earned income. Should you convert from an IRA to a Roth, I probably need a little bit more information. The The benefit of converting is that if you're in a low tax bracket, you can start to pay the tax due on the account throughout your retirement. On the other hand, you're probably going to just pull money out of this anyway. If you send me more of your numbers, the exact numbers associated with this, I think I could give you some better advice, like how much money you have in, in the IRA and your current level of income. Then we can make a better decision. Okay. This is from CL. Uh, request for a quick reply. Married, we're 67. Our income is approximately $110,000, potentially uncertain employment. $1.8 million in total savings. Half a million of that is qualified funds, retirement funds. 95% of everything is in CDs and money markets. Saving from annual income, 20 grand a year, no debt, no mortgage, intend to end all employment by 70 and will collect social security then. We're exceptionally conservative, fearful of most, almost any loss of principal given our age and inability to make up lost time. We've run various retirement calculators. Looks like they're pretty good. So <laughs> CL says, I know I should have more in equities and possibly after the next big dip in the market, we might consider putting 30% back into a low-cost major index fund. Tell me when that next dip will be, of course, and then I'll do it. What guidance do you have to the following questions? Any aspect of our situation, and given that Social Security will be a key part of our income, should we change our plans uh, for waiting until 70 to take Social Security, given that there could be a hit to the Social Security fund and Medicare? Okay, let's take a deep breath. If you hate hate, hate risk. I would suggest to you this, that there's a certain amount of risk that you have in keeping all of your money in CDs and money markets. So if you think you might want to drop your toe in the equities markets, in the stock markets, I wouldn't go 30%. I, I would go maybe 20%. And maybe I would do it, you know, just a little bit at a time. I'd be more inclined to do it, you know, when something was happening. So perhaps when not something in the market is happening, but maybe when a CD came due and then you would put some money in, but only go a bit back up to 20%. The reason why you want 20% is that, you know, if we do get future inflation, there's no inflation right now, it is good to have some equities as a protection against that. It's, it'll just act a little differently. Generally speaking, I, I do think that, you know, you guys sound like you've done a good job. Let's not worry about social security going broke. It's just not going to happen in your lifetime. So I think waiting till 70 works. I think you're in good shape. You've done a good job saving. Wait till you're 70 and carry on. How's that? All right. If I've missed anything, let me know. Okay, that's it. That is it for the program. Don't forget to go to our website, jillonmoney.com. There you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter. You can also... 
do a lot of other things. You can poke around, you can watch TV segments, you can listen to past episodes that you may have missed. And please do pass along this podcast to somebody who you think could benefit from some free financial advice. That's what we're here for. Remember to wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and do something nice for somebody today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.